Welcome back to Presentation Thinking Podcast, aka Bienvenidos a Pensando del Presentaciones. I don't know how to say that, but maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Today's a very special one. We have a very cool guest with us. Molly, I think you and Lola on our team were able to to find out about this person before we introduce her. Uh, would love to hear how we, how maybe you came about finding our guest. Yeah, we're feeling so excited and kind of cool because we had this amazing tip-off to a collection of artists featured on today.com last year during Hispanic Heritage Month, and Isabella Humphrey was one of them. So we just sent out a classic cold email, as I'm doing now, I guess is my thing, right, Mikey? Yeah. And um, she responded, and Isabella, you're here. Hello. Welcome from Hello. Mexico City. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How are in. you? We're so good. Thank you for making the time. We're really no, stoked to have you here. Isabella, we were so excited to see, like, not only your work is so cool, Obviously, we're going to link that in the show notes and everything. But we have a lot of SCAD, um, Savannah College of Art and Design alumni on our Ghost Ranch team, and you went to SCAD. So Mm -hmm. welcome to the crew. Yeah, (laughs) Happy to have you here. (laughs) Everyone's a beef. (laughs) Yeah. Isabella, I think we, you know, we, we had told you the reason we reached out. This podcast is all about us trying to push ourselves in this medium of presentations. We design them. We help professionals build them. But we want to pull in inspiration and outside thinking from so many different mediums. And obviously you are a, an incredibly talented artist. We think you'd have a lot of, of inspiration to pass along our way. So yeah, we're just excited to dive into some of your background and your work and go from there. So thank you again for joining us. No, thank you both for having me. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Okay. So let's start from the beginning, of course. When, where, how, how did it all begin? Your first interest in design? Do you remember? Have a childhood memory? I I actually don't, but I know I've always like been into the arts. Like I've always been drawn, like I think since I can remember, like at least kindergarten on, I've always had an artistic focus. I've always loved to draw and I have, have a family who's super encouraging and a lot of them are in the arts. So that was really great to have and kind of just to encourage me to continue my passion and do whatever I wanted to do. So that. I've, yeah, I've, I've always been drawing. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. I've always been doodling, but I'm definitely not. I mean, your work is incredible. So it's just, oh, it never you. amounted to to what your Instagram looks like. What other kind of arts were your, your family members in? Well, it's kind of like broad arts, like in music, mm-hmm. even just like sketching. I have an uncle who's a performance artist. My mom loves listening to music. Uh, my grandfather loves collecting art. I have a cousin who's an illustrator as well. So there's a lot of like different arts people around me and my family, not specifically like drawing illustration, but yeah. all over the place. That's great. <laughs> Runs in the family. Now you call yourself an illustrator. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Visual designer and illustrator. Visual designer. Okay, cool. And how did you find your, your way, I guess, to SCAD? And like, did you go there specifically for illustration or what was the pathway to finding out like what you actually liked to focus on? Yeah. So I actually went to SCAD for fashion design. I would say onwards from second grade to ending high school, I'd always had a big interest in fashion. I kind of knew as like, that's what I want to do in life. So I've always pursued that. Like even recently I went back home and was looking through old sketches and I had like drew my own fashion magazines and like typed them out. 
and oh. had like different sketches and they were pretty hilarious to look back at now. But I did also before SCAD, I did a pre-college at Pratt for fashion design. I was like, okay, this is cool. I definitely want to keep on pursuing this. So it's really great to have that um, opportunity to have that like few week experience in kind of a pre-college regimen. And then, yeah, it's good. I decided to study fashion design, but unfortunately, while maybe as my last few years at SCAD, I realized it's like, I don't know if this is for me. Like, even though I'm doing internships and mm-hmm. everything, I'm just going to continue it because if I do decide to change my career, I know I could apply what I've learned to something else, which I'm super thankful for because I don't know, you may know at SCAD, it's super hard to change your major and not have to do an extra year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not always very affordable. So I was like, right. I could definitely apply these skills afterwards. I could learn on my own. Like I have the background knowledge to do something new. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You were not the first or last person halfway through <laughs> college to take a, take a shift. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That right. happens. And it's indicative of, you know, yourself as an artist, like learning everything you can about something and then you can apply it to different mediums. I'm a firm believer that everything you learn has some application somewhere. So totally. And like, even I feel like when I was doing my internships, I didn't necessarily love them. They weren't as creative as I thought they would be. So that's kind of my first insight into what (laughs) the fashion world would be, especially like when you're just starting out or even a few years in the creativity isn't as much as you'd like it to be. It's a lot of like back end work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. So then you left SCAD and then, yeah, what was maybe your first, I know you were in fashion design. So Mm -hmm. what was your first job like? So my first job, actually, that was one thing after college, it was a little bit disappointing, like taking so long to get a job or in the industry after graduating, just because the SCAD has this like promise of like getting you into your career, like right after graduation and like pushing like, okay, you did internships every year. That should be so easy for you to get in and realizing that was like, that was very hard. So my first six months after graduation, I was working in a restaurant, which I had been like after winter and during winter break and summer break. So I just continued doing that and saving up living at home. Um, and then I finally got a job at, well, actually, sorry take a step back. I did not have a job yet. So I gave myself kind of an ultimatum, which was in six months, if you don't find a job, like move to LA because I'd always want to try LA out. I had never been, I'm, I'm a New York city girl. Like that's where most of my family is. So it's like, I'm going to try something new. So I moved out there and my partner was actually living out there. So I was really fortunate to have a place to stay while I was looking for a job and like saving up still. I had found a position. It was for actually an internship, which I was not thrilled about because I had already done three internships and I wanted oh, to the grind. Yeah. yeah. Were any of them paid, by the way? That's might be too much information, but yes, okay. all of them were paid. Cool. I yeah, thank God. Financially, I could not take unpaid right. internships. <laughs> Even though fortunately I had family living in New York, so I was able to stay with them. But my yeah, internships still. was like my money for the school year. Totally. Right. So fortunate all of them were paid. Um, I would have done more like during winter break, but all of those were unpaid. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, so when I got to LA, I started applying, I kept on applying and applying because when I was back home, no one wanted to interview me because I wasn't 
in the location. Mm. Like they wanted me to already be there, which was not financially feasible. So that's why I decided to move out there. And within two weeks, I found this job as an internship. So it was three months and it was definitely an adjustment. I was doing way more than I was at my previous internships because this is kind of like going into internship to job. So after three months, they offered me a job. So I was doing more or less of the same thing I was doing during the internships, but it was brutal. (laughs) Like, I'm just going to be upfront. It was terrible experience. I did not love it. It was just really hard, like working 12 to 14 hour days. We were working on a very small design team Mm -hmm. and a lot of work was just falling on me and my coworkers shoulders and didn't have the support we needed. And there was a lot of micromanaging and just um narcissism too jeez <laughs> oh, dang okay during this time did you have like you know you're a creative person you said you've always been drawing were you creating anything of your own during that time or was there just absolutely no time did you ever envision kind of branching away of your own you know volition oh yeah totally i mean the, as soon as i started i was like i need to get <laughs> i need to get out of here So literally as soon as I got the job, I was like, okay, I'm going to give myself like two years. I'm going to save up everything I can, you know, get those holiday bonuses and put them away. But I actually, those six months I was looking for a job, I had started illustrating greeting cards. Ah. Yeah, that was just my kind of my thing to do to get my mind off of the job hunt and like to take a step back. So I started making greeting cards. I put them on Etsy. And as soon as I moved out to LA, I kind of put that on a pause just because it was a lot getting into a new job and after a few months of being in the industry I was like okay I think I could like get back into creating cards I really enjoy this I started my Instagram I just had it on my actually on my personal Instagram to start with and I would reach out to like mommy bloggers or um, creative bloggers to do commissioned illustration and then one day someone reached out to me from Shop Scad about selling mm. my greeting cards. So that was very exciting for me. I think that was like my aha moment. Like, oh, I think I could do something with this. So this is all while I was hustling at my full-time job and kind of just like being very tired, but putting my energy kind of in another basket to kind mm-hmm. of see what I could do with this other thing that I was doing. What year Dang. was that that you got the plug from Shop Scad? I want to say... Like 20, late 2017. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, your Instagram is Isabella.Humphrey. Is that your your main one? Okay. Yes. And you've got like 8,000 followers. That <laughs> seems like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely been like growing steadily, which is amazing. So I'm super happy for that. And after, I want to say... I was doing the cards up until February 2019, which is when I decided to leave my job. And unfortunately, I had one last SCAD order of cards and USPS lost it. (laughs) That was the end of of my card career. (laughs) No, come on. They can't get any like... I mean, that's like a hidden treasure. If we we ever find that, that's probably worth... (laughs) It's going to be worth tons of money someday. That was kind of a disaster. I was like, okay, I love cards, but there's so much back-end work and just supplies and everything were just kept on adding up. And I felt like I was breaking even. So that's when I was like, okay, I want to switch to something like more digital, not physical that I have to print out (laughs) because just printing everything myself 
I wasted so much paper because my printer would stop working Mm -hmm. when I needed it to. And (laughs) it's like, I had this special type of card paper that I had to get from a store and I had to ship it. It was so like the shipping was UPS. Of course it was like, $15. $15. It was, it was oh so many God. things. Right. Okay. That's on, was it USPS or UPS? Who do we have USPS. to call out here? Yeah. Okay. USPS. And I, I love USPS, but yes. I know like some things happen, but it's not great. But you're owed a bit of money. Yeah. Okay. USPS. If you're listening, <laughs> Isabella Humphrey needs a bit of a check. Yes. Yeah. I never, I put in my lost package thing oh, and I never got a refund for it. Sucks. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. (laughs) It's a terrible feeling. Okay. So then you made that shift though, which was, was that, yeah. How did that feel going from such a grind of a world in general, like multitasking and hustling as an artist, but specifically in that design and fashion space, you know, and then to jump out into your, onto your own. How did that look for you? That was, (laughs) it was definitely kind of frightening at first, just because I'd never done something like that before. I knew I could do it and I knew that I wanted to, but it was kind of terrifying, like leaving my full-time job, even though I had saved for two years, it's Mm -hmm. still like in the back of your head, you're like, is this enough savings to live? like paying student loans, all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it definitely was frightening, but I started making fake projects, <laughs> fake clients so I could build my portfolio. And then once I did that, I started on a platform called Upwork, oh, yeah. which is really great. I prefer that way over Fiverr. Fiverr definitely is exploitive. <laughs> Good plug for the freelancers, Upwork. Yeah, yeah I prefer Upwork. Mm-hmm. over Fiverr. Like I know a lot of people use Fiverr and you could set your own prices. You could set them as high as you want with Fiverr. It's like really people just want that cheap work. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. super frustrating as a designer. Like you want to put all your into it, but then you're like, I'm only getting paid $15. Like it's not adding up. And I did that doing that at first. Like I'm like, okay, I'm glad I did that. I built my portfolio. But at the same time, like I hope this new generation of artists, I'm like, make sure you know your worth even if you're just starting out, like you are valuable, like you do deserve to be paid well. And that's something I wish I knew before, but it's like, you just want to try to get all the clients you can, all the projects you can, no matter how much it is. But it's, yeah, it's definitely a lot of Yes, 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 yes. Until you can start to say no (laughs) and uh, yeah, Yeah. tune your rates up a bit. Yeah. 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 And even I struggle now saying no. (laughs) It's hard. Even if it's a terrible paid project, I'm like, should I say no? It's always like that thinking like, I don't know if there's going to be another job out there. Mm-hmm. Or like I, I need to save for like those student loans, things yes. like that. So it's like, know your worth is a huge, a huge thing that I wish all young artists, graduating people would apply to themselves. Yeah. Are there any, like while we're on the topic, are there any resources that you've found or um, anyone out there talking about how to how to price how to find that value and speak to it and defend it yeah i definitely seen on instagram a lot of people like sharing i don't know what the doc was called but just sharing like how much they're getting paid for certain projects i wish i had the name of it at the top of my head but i don't but i've definitely seen it being shared a few times which i think is so great just to have that information out there because we're in this culture that like no one really asks how much each other makes. Like it feels very awkward. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like even now, even if I'm in a different industry than my friends, but I feel awkward 
asking yeah. their salary and it shouldn't be awkward. Like we should be asking because otherwise, how would we know? Like we need to like raise our rates mm-hmm. or negotiate for more and stay competitive. And exactly. So that's one thing. I'm like, always keep those rates raising and like ask around and even look for those documents. I think they're on Twitter as well. Um, if you follow a lot of artists on Twitter, like some of those go around, which is right. really great. I follow an account called Ladies Get Paid on Instagram, uh-huh, and it's about okay. freelance. Yeah, pr- it talks a lot about pricing. And is this doc you're talking about? I think, I think I've seen it where it helps you just break down. It's like X amount of hours, and then add mm-hmm. this, and then add some time for revisions, and it kind of helps you calculate how you might price out a project yeah. or price out your hourly rate or something like that. Yeah, that's that's what I've seen. Yeah. And it's really helpful. And <laughs> even I need to apply that knowledge to myself because I will ask for raises. I will kick up the budget when clients reach out to me, mm-hmm. but say like, it's it's very hard still. Or even like raising my rates if I'm working with a client for multiple years, I just feel... Yeah. I feel weird leaving like, hey, like I'm raising my rates. I'm like, do you still want to work with me? Oh, so yeah. That's always, yeah. <laughs> that's like always in the back of my mind. So yeah. it's definitely hard. It's hard for sure. Yeah. And, and we've, we have a hard time. We have a great time with people who already value what we do. And then it's, you know, it's sometimes it's just, you're not going to convince someone who doesn't see the value in it. Right. But mm-hmm. how would you, um, how might you preach the value of visual storytelling or illustration? You know, what separates the great from the okay, the good, the meh, like what truly makes a good illustration when it's commissioned either for, I guess, are you doing a lot of editorial or or what, what are your main like clients that you work with? Um, so I mainly, I mainly work with apartment therapy, but I do a little bit of both. I do graphic design work and illustration, but for my other clients, like I just work with Google for Linux Heritage Month. I saw that. That's yeah. Awesome. And I'm working with Adobe for some illustrations, but I would say I think colors, like color palette, really makes a difference. Like having an established color palette really makes a work pop. And I think it's kind of hard. Like everything's so objective. So, like for me to be like looking at illustration, like is this bad or good? Everything is so objective. So it's so hard for me to be like seeing someone else's work and be like, oh, I really love that. Like that's their style. And like just learning to take a step back because I feel like kind of what we learn in art school or even just regular schooling Mm -hmm. is to be like too judgy sometimes. Sure. So I think it's like everyone has a different style and everything, everyone's great in their own way. So it's just kind of like, I really love to look at inspiration at other artists that I really love and be like, what are they doing that I feel like I could add to my work? Or like, how are they storytelling? Or how are they conveying different scenes in one work? So I think Mm -hmm. it's definitely looking like references, referencing other artists, reading, that just really helps you improve your storytelling ability or grow your artwork or update your style. Yeah. Okay. And then when you say like, when you can see another illustrator's storytelling, what are some of the devices and mechanisms? Like, what do you mean? Cause it's, it's like, there's no words, right? It's just pictures. <laughs> yeah. So like, how does one tell a story with visuals? That, that was really difficult. It's like, yeah. for, for, for we're me, still learning this. I know. Yeah. I'm just like, no, you, please, seriously. I need to know. Yeah. But for me, like I, I definitely write stuff out first mm-hmm. and kind of look towards symbolism and kind of how I could not, I don't want to say like simplify a complicated message, but just find a way to depict it in a way that people are like, oh, that's what that means. 
uh, or maybe have like something a little bit hidden, but yeah, I feel like starting with writing it out, brainstorming, Googling, like different symbolic imagery. And for example, like in this a piece I just made, I was trying to figure out like what could represent equality and justice. That's not the, not the scale. Like that's mm-hmm. not the typical. Yeah. So I was like looking at different objects and then I came across flowers and it said like the black eyed Susan represents like respect or like equality and add multiple meanings but it's like oh that's perfect like that goes with this piece I'm making and it's like delicate but it's also has a strong meaning so I love Mm -hmm. like adding those hidden messagings for storytelling so yeah I think it really just depends (laughs) that's awesome I love that process that's really cool it kind of like how long does that take you to kind of like build out like a brainstorm day it depends sometimes I recently I just got out of being, um, I'm blanking on the word, <laughs> um, a creative block. <laughs> yeah. Like I just recently got out of like a creative block and I had a project with refiner 29 and it's editorial and they usually have a quick, very quick turnaround. And this one, I like just had an idea immediately, which doesn't happen very often. I think it's because I finally like had time to rest from my creative block and I was able to, my mind was clear. Nice. And that was like a very rare occurrence, but usually it will take me a few days and I wish I had more time, but some of these projects just have such tight turnarounds mm-hmm. that you don't get that much time to think about it. So that's one thing that's kind of a downside is sometimes a lot of things feel rushed mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like this thing with Instagram, it's like turning artists into content creators and that's not what we are. Yeah. So unfortunately, it's like the process just gets rushed and rushed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt well. I follow you on Instagram, and I saw a few posts that you've done where you're like the process of kind of showing like here's the sketch lines, like mm-hmm. the kind of um yeah the making of it, and those things are so cool to watch and like easy to flick by on TikTok and Reels. But they, it takes a lot of time. I'm always really <laughs> admiring people that cook as well, and they're like, here's a video of me chopping the onions, chopping the garlic. <laughs> adding the oil. I'm like, that took hours, you know, to create. So even just kind of like peeling back the curtain and like sharing that process is a project in and of itself. (laughs) Yeah, it it really is. Like those process videos, like I have to remember to record myself or if I don't have good lighting and I'm like, I, I have to record this at night because I'm working Mm. on something else during the day and they're like, (laughs) I don't have time. Yeah. (laughs) And it, it gets so frustrating. Like I really love appreciate artists who like have this really nice setup and like that's what I eventually want Mm -hmm. I just get so frustrated with (laughs) with videos like I really want to learn more but just like you have so many projects and time and then when you have downtime it's like now you have to create this extra content for people to engage with it's definitely a lot to keep up with and just don't love how the algorithm (laughs) is changing or treats artists yeah no, that's, I know that's a big, a big thing. And just like, it's like you have to work against it, not with it. Yeah. It's really frustrating. Um, I'm curious, kind of like, uh, yeah, we heard like some of your clients are a lot of editorial stuff, Refinery29, Apartment Therapy. Mm-hmm. With your, like connecting this to some of our presentation thinking world, have you ever had to present your creative work or also in what might be your like perception of presenting or PowerPoint? If you don't like videos, yeah. do you like PowerPoint slides? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't really have to physically present or I've never had to do a pitch for an illustration like people have reached out to me and like been like oh we're pitching you for this project I personally haven't 
Um, but like when I turn in work for clients and it's multiple illustrations, I'll put it in Google slides just so I could easily like draw arrows, be like, this is what this means. Or I want to add, I don't know, pattern to this piece. And it just gives me a way to explain things that are more visual than instead of just writing an email. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause sometimes people will misunderstand. So I think it's, it's way better to just like put it in a presentation and like put little call outs just so everyone can kind of comprehend it. And there's no back and forth. Not that there won't be back and forth, but sure. just to like visually say I'm working with an agency and they have to send that to the client. It's much easier than just writing it in an email. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, as far as like a presentation, like speaking about my project, I haven't done that since actually my internship um, where I had to, there was a competition, a design competition, and we had to present across like all the board members at Ralph Lauren, all like the VP people. That Ooh. was, <laughs> that was terrifying. That's <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> High that stakes. Was, <laughs> that was incredibly terrifying. Uh, the first level, I think it was just in front of a way smaller team. And then like the top 10, that's when he presented it in front of like, I don't know if Ralph Lauren was there, but I think like his oh brother and other VP designers <laughs> were there. And the final round, oh, the final round is where you present to Ralph. But that was, <laughs> that Ralph. was, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're on a first team basis. Yeah. Did Mr. you go, were you, did you do that? Were you in the final? <laughs> I was in the, I got to the top 10. I did it. Okay. Holy cow. Yeah. Hey, that's still amazing. <laughs> that's incredible. The board. And what was the, what was the prize just speaking with Ralph? <laughs> there was definitely a prize. I'm not quite sure what it was. It was, yeah maybe six or seven years ago (laughs) okay but it was definitely like that experience i don't know how i got through it i don't even remember it because i thought you just blacked out terrified did you um was it proper like slides like projected or was it virtually it was actually in fashion we use foam core boards Mm. and like have stuff pinned like reference images fabric samples everything textures things like that and that's one thing about fashion presentation i do not love they do not in my experience they do not want to move on from like physical and like i get it like for fabric and textures but like trying to get i remember we were doing like our decks our presentation decks in illustrator and oh my goodness that was it would take hours for a file to load or to Mm. send and like i was like we need to use we like use like Google slides. Can we use like Adobe or like mm-hmm. Adobe XD or even InDesign? Cause InDesign's made for that. That was such a process. Like no one wants to move on. And I've talked with other friends that work in the fashion industry and it's the same thing. So okay. I'm really glad to be in the digital presentation world. Same. <laughs> yeah. Especially cause like with more and more folks being remote and sending things from you know, world-class fashion cities, right? They need to have some kind of digital distribution like model, right? <laughs> yeah. I would assume so. Or it'd be like taking photos of our foam core board. And like, I get some people work easier with moving things around on paper, just to like see where things go. But in my experience, I'm like, this is way too messy for me. I cannot function like this. Mm-hmm. So I'm very glad. Yeah. Like I said, I'm very glad to be in the digital presentation where we're like, people are more open to change. 
because that's one thing I've noticed. Like people are like open to ideas in design more than fashion design. It's like really like pulling teeth. (laughs) Yeah. Fashion, they have to think so far out. I'm sure it's just a little harder to be as nimble as we can when, when it's a website and you know, we're like, just take that down, you know, change the code. We're good. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, there's a reason we're not in fashion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mikey, I, speaking to our fashion design experience. but <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious, like talking about those cool textures and stuff. I wonder, like, I love your work and there's such a mixed, if you like, if anyone's scrolling past your Instagram, you'll see tons of colors and it's like mesmerizing. layers. And yeah, it's pretty mesmerizing. And I would almost like say it's almost like a collage feeling. Mm-hmm. So would you say that you have some influence from that, like that texture in different like styles melding into one whole? Yeah. I mean, I really, even when I go home, I look back at my concept books for fashion. Like that's something I really love to do. And as like gathering references, like building collages, building concept pages, which is now I'm doing that pretty much all digitally. And it's really cool. Like right now in apartment therapy, we're doing a lot of digital collages. So it's really cool to do that again, but also like not have paper yeah. <laughs> um, and like kind of have like a similar effect or like if I wanted to scan something in and add texture that way, I totally could as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my work, yeah, I kind of want to convey that kind of collage aspect. I love having texture brushes. I definitely want to test some more out. But I have been thinking of like, what's a way I could add a more collage style to my work. So that's something I definitely want to add and work on developing. Because I feel like I've kind of been in the same style for a while. And not that I want to change my style completely. I just want to adapt it and move forward into something uh, a little bit different. But yeah, I collage is definitely inspiring. And like what I did in fashion and looking at my old notebooks, those are definitely helped me a lot. Yeah. Uh, Lola, real quick, wanted us to ask, are you team Wacom, Wacom or iPad? Wacom. Uh, Wacom? I'm uh, not. <laughs> iPad. Okay. iPad. Was it Procreate or something? Yeah. I love Procreate. I also use Adobe Fresco sometimes. What I love about Adobe Fresco is you could work in it. And if you open on your computer, it's already in your cloud, like for Photoshop, whereas Procreate, it's not, you have to export it. But yeah, I'm totally team iPad. I used to walk them all the time for fashion and like drawing technical flats. And that was super helpful because it's way better than using a mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like personally being able to draw and see my work simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But you could do that with a Cintiq by Wacom, but those are very pricey. <laughs> those are very nice. <laughs> okay. Sense. Yeah. I know two SCAD illustrators on our team who are still team Cintiq, you know, mm. but then they're like, I wish I could like, I think it sounds like it's hard to lug around too. Oh yeah. It's beefy. not, I don't think it's very portable. I think I have some that are more portable, but I also like just how the iPad's light, um, I like the pencil, like it feels nice, everything. So I'm definitely very accustomed to that. There's like an app too called AstroPad that you could use your iPad as a walk-up. So it's it's really cool. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. That's a sweet integration. Yeah. yeah. And in the same vein, I know you speak about this a little bit in your today.com snippet, but how do you get inspired by your family and like what influence do they have in your work? Yeah. I mean, I think my I've been surrounded by like strong, independent women in my family, like know their path. They're like so kind and warm and encouraging. So that's definitely had such a big influence on shaping who I am today and just helping me move forward with my career. And just like, 
yeah, just everything about them is kind of encompasses what I want yeah. to depict in my illustrations. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. so that's really beautiful. And it's like very apparent too. I mm-hmm. you can absolutely tell. Aww. <laughs> yeah. How did the yeah, with that, I mean Refinery 29, I know is like a mainly women's publication, you know, geared towards women. And did they seek you out as a commission or was that like something you pitched for them? I wanna say I feel like at the beginning, before I worked with them. I definitely like did a cold email. I don't know if I, I think I heard back, but I don't remember. <laughs> it's wow. been so long. But then afterwards, like I would get requests, which is really nice. It's like, oh, this is so cool working with editorial. So yeah, that I think that's how, yeah. Like just a cold email and then yeah. not hearing, hearing nothing. And yeah. then eventually mm-hmm. hearing back, which is not, not the most fun experience. <laughs> the waiting yeah. is the worst. Yeah. 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 But I would say one thing I prefer now, like I love working on editorial, but my experience with editorial, it's not well paid. Mm. Okay. It's really hard. Like I will sometimes take them when they come up still, but it's just like I put in a lot more effort than when I'm getting paid. So it's kind of hard to be like, uh, this, you spend so many hours Justified. and you're only getting this. Yeah. But right. I end up like, I always put my all in. Like there's never, I can of never course. be that person. That's like, <laughs> I'm just going to do like what, what the budget is. And like put only that amount of hours Because for me. I'm like, I need to be happy with this piece. And maybe in yeah. me is like, okay, I need to be a little bit less competitive with myself. And if it's something I don't really love, but they still love it. I'm like, that's the budget they have. And like, you can't exert your full amount of energy every single time someone can't meet your budget. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's hard when it's your name on it, right? Like this is a reflection yes. of me. And so you're like, yes. mm. I'm sure <laughs> that's, that's like, a tough, you know, balance. That's exactly it. It's kind of like, I want to put my all, but I'm yeah. also like, they're not compensating me for my all. <laughs> yeah. A content driven website frequency is there, but they don't have the margins of a Google or an Adobe. Like, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or you're adding it to your or... portfolio regardless. Like you want to add it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like, if I really like, I want to add pieces I like. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to work very hard on this piece, <laughs> put yeah. in all my effort, even though it's like not worth my rate. But yeah, it's like, I never want to do a piece that I'm not happy about because then I don't really feel good about that. And then, like you said, it's like out in the world. So if like <laughs> someone sees that and reaches out to me, they're like, can you do something like this? And I don't like the piece. It's kind of like, yeah. uh, no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Creative. Uh, okay. Yeah. So if that's editorial work, uh, your t- Isabella's hot take on mm-hmm. editorial work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is next for you then? Like what's your kind of next goals as you're like working to expand your style, as you were saying and evolve, like what's kind of the work you do. I saw something about dreams of a remote creative agency on your site. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell I mean, me more. I would love that. I don't know when that would happen. That's just kind of like a thought, like very far in the future. But I would love to have an agency where it's more of like, I don't know if co-op is the right word, but like everyone kind of has ownership in this agency. Everyone's getting paid the same because we all have different skill sets. But at the end, like, yeah, I don't know how quite to describe it, but I've heard of a concept like this where people have ownership in this company and like everyone gets paid the same because their skills are different, but they're still working as much. They're still like collaborating. So I would, I'd really love something like that. I don't know how it would happen. Like (laughs) I definitely would have to start getting um, 
bigger projects where I could bring people on. But for right now, all of my projects are kind of more singular person, but I would love that for the future. Like just having help and collaborating with other artists would be so cool. That sounds awesome. That sounds like a dream. That's awesome. (laughs) Right, Mikey? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry if it's kind of incoherent. I'm like thinking, like, I just, it's so hard to imagine and like really want to make sure like artists are paid fairly. Like if I'm working with them, like I know more to this exploitive industry or like, yeah, it's just, (laughs) just like experience of working with a brand. I'm like, okay, this is what I would and wouldn't do. Um, Yeah. And like a sense of community to lean on each other for resources, whether it's like Mm -hmm. the pricing thing, going through the process, like creative troubleshooting, whatever, software troubleshooting. There's like, I think a sense of community there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I freelance, Mikey's freelance, and I think it can feel very isolating because you're just, yeah, you sign up for an account and Upwork, as you said, and then you're just in a sea of people creating, but you don't really talk to each other and have interaction So having kind of that communal feel would be pretty incredible, I think. And I'm sure you could produce some amazing work. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Like freelance definitely is rewarding, but like it is, it's very isolating. (laughs) It'd be nice to like work more with people. With that, providing people resources, Mikey, time for the spice cabinet, the the fun end of the episode. And yeah, do you have any recommendations for folks, you know, kind of getting their start with graphic design and illustrating and making it their own business? Oh, that's definitely, I would say, particularly for like illustrators, just start putting out your content. Like for me, I had, I started out with a goal of like, I'm going to do an illustration every day for a month to kind of like gain traction, to develop my style. That was definitely a challenge, but I think in the end it worked out because that's how I was able to like build a little portfolio and then I to be able to reach out to people so they would see stuff that I already had, even if I was just starting out. And there's so many like art challenges on Instagram and Twitter oh, yeah. to like, like right now I think it's Inktober. So there's so many like drawing yeah. prompts. So that's really cool for people to do to kind of like get their work out there. And definitely... I feel like it's kind of controversial, but on LinkedIn, we were taught to just like reach out to people. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't even, I don't really use LinkedIn at all. I just find people's Instagrams or like their email or like figure out what this company's email Uh format is. Brilliant. I'm sure people don't love that, but that's what I would do to start out. I just figure out, be like, what is the combination of this company's of like this person to email format because on LinkedIn, I know they're not going to see it. So I definitely did that a lot. We've all done it. (laughs) It's like, there's definitely, I love those sites. It's like, it tells you their format. (laughs) And yeah, there's just so many communities out there. Like definitely Mm -hmm. Instagram, Twitter. I'm not on it. Uh, Twitter is a little bit too much for me, Um, (laughs) too overwhelming, but I know there's a big art community on there and people are really open from what I've heard. And just like, even just going to your local bookstore and getting inspiration. That's what I love to do. There's so many cool book covers out there now. So when I feel like I have like a creative block, I'll just go and be like, okay, what are the new books? Or like go to the bookstore and get inspired by like colors or patterns I see. So just like really utilizing books, your environment around you. Like even for me, since I do a lot of not fashion drawing, but Mm -hmm. I try to incorporate like cool outfits or funky outfits. Like I'll look at my own closet or I'll look at streetwear, but yeah, it's just kind of 
I just kind of utilize whatever's around me at the time. Like I don't really have a particular process, but really just like getting your work out there, reaching out to people, asking people, like if there's someone you follow, like ask them if you could ask them questions about like how they started out or like, what are their rates? Um, how did they build their portfolio or know what pieces to choose? And if you went to a university or if you're currently in a university, definitely try to like use all those resources, especially like SCAD has so many to use. So I, it's like definitely taking advantage of as much as you can, especially if you're paying for it. But if you're not in a university, there's so much more out there as well too. Yeah. And I would say, even if you were in like a university program that's around you, you could probably mm-hmm. go into like one of those like art totally. like offices and pick up a few brochures about like where to start, who to contact, maybe just like glean a few resources for oh, yeah. free off them. Totally. Too. I'm all about the free, tuition free, <laughs> finding stuff yeah. free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that. And there's, there's literally so much like YouTube, even like Skillshare has such great videos. But YouTube really has has yeah. so much. Oh yeah, Skillshare is a great tool. We'll definitely link that as There's well. Tons. Yeah, we'll yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, and then Mikey, add your favorite. Oh yeah, Isabella. So let's say you're you're about to give your big <laughs> next presentation <laughs> keynote, talking about your work somewhere, TED, a TED talk. What song are you going to walk out to? What's your walkout music? Oh, oh, this one's a hard one. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm that person who. I listen to stuff on repeat until I get tired of them, like after six months. Uh, so I'm one gonna, of those. <laughs> I'm one of those people. Like my Spotify top 10 is literally just one artist every year. Um, but I'm going to say right now, anything on Bad Bunny's new album. That's, that's my mood right now. And I know it's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people's mood but he's great no that whole album kind of goes together i feel too you know <laughs> so it's yeah. hard to listen to one without the other is when exactly. I, I was i was definitely late to the party but when i listened through i was like i was on a road trip you know so i kind of just let it flow mm-hmm. and um yeah he's puerto rican right yeah yeah okay so so fun yeah okay yeah and <laughs> it was a chill a walk down music <laughs> like ending music i would probably choose crumbin <laughs> Ooh, love that. Okay, excellent. <laughs> so two very different moods, <laughs> but that's kind of how my taste is. It's everywhere. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sets you up for a nice intro and then the cool Laura Lee's Yeah, outro. that's some thinking ahead. Thank you, Editor <laughs> Will, for splicing that in. <laughs> awesome. And okay, I got to ask too, since you're, you're hanging out in Mexico City right now, yeah. I was there like about a year ago for the first time ever and blown away. And I you talked about just being inspired by your surroundings and all these other places. What's your take on Mexico City as a whole? And especially as an artist, like what do you find inspiring down there? No, it's definitely very beautiful. Um, There's so much art, street art. Um, I think Mexico City is, I might be the place in the world with the most museums in the city. I'm not 100% sure. It's either most or in like the top three. So there's, there's so much, there's a lot of art, food, uh, a lot of great food everywhere. So I just recommend like taking advantage and like seeing as much as you could see. And yeah, I just, there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot to love. There's a lot. So like, I recommend like when you, if you come here, so many like food tours or like local tours, like I definitely encourage that to like support like the local population and like learn more about the city you're visiting. Like that's super important. I think when you're visiting somewhere to 
learn the backstory behind her, learn what's happening in real time. Yeah, I definitely, like, it's, it's definitely very beautiful. <laughs> so fun. I would definitely, I need to make it down for a food tour, Frida Kahlo Museum. Yeah. yeah. I, I just Googled it. It said like, I was like Mexico city museums and it was like the 20 best museums. And I'm like, dang, that'd be so like a whole <laughs> museum trip. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah There's definitely a lot. <laughs> I also remember like I, we stayed in that bougie part of town, like Polanco, I think. And yeah. like from above in the hotel, so different from what I'm used to in the States where yeah. you look down and all I could see was trees. Like you couldn't see as many buildings, but it's like, it's, there's so much dense, beautiful foliage down there that, yeah, yeah it was just gorgeous to walk around and so many beautiful trees and, and plants and everything. It was awesome. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely really beautiful. And like the foliage is really great. Like the foliage in certain areas are very great, but there's, but it's also like, there's kind of like this bubble, of course, of any city. Like if you go towards the outskirts, there's actually less greenery and it's definitely much, course, much yeah. warmer, but I think yeah. people exploring should be like open to seeing the whole city because so many people just like come recently and just like stay in one part. And I'm like, mm-hmm. there's so much to see. Like it's huge. Like you it's definitely massive. need, yeah, you can't see it all, but yeah. it's, yeah, there's a lot of lovely things. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, so I can't wait to come visit and I'll definitely hit you up. I'll <laughs> slide into your DMs, but this has been so fun. Isabella, do you have any just like, yeah, parting, parting words for the Prez thinkers, our listeners out there? <laughs> oh yeah. Let's see. I would say like, definitely if you're being an illustrator, if that's something that you want to do, like follow your heart. Like if you're working, even if you're working somewhere else, just start doing something on the side with any time you have, like, doesn't have to be an hour or whatever. It could be like five minutes a day. You do a sketch. I think it's just like honing those skills and like doing a little work here and there. And that's how you can really grow as an artist and be able to find out what you really love or like watching YouTube videos from time to time, even watching like reels of other artists process. I think that's such a great way to grow yourself. So I think that's super important. Like it's just amazing how many free resources there are now. Oh, and you can easily get inspired by looking at Isabella's Instagram. Where is that the best place to find you? Um, We'll obviously link that any other. Yes. um, I know you've got your website and stuff, but definitely Instagram. Cool. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll we'll see you out there then for sure. We're excited to follow along with your work. So Uh, thanks for sharing some of your time. Thank you both so much. It was so nice to speak with you both today. Uh, It was really fun. Same. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks for joining us. And yeah, yeah, I think Molly, everything that we just heard, I think it is directly applicable to like so many of what, whether you want to be an illustrator, better presenter, just better in your day to day as any, any sort of craft that you're doing. I love what Isabella shared to to make sure that, hey, like just practice, just do the thing and you'll get better at it, right? And and pay attention to the other people who are doing it uh, really well, who you respect and you want to emulate and you'll get better by uh, just kind of, you know, osmosis. Yeah, You've done the hard part, which is like post <laughs> the first thing, right? First yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So and I feel like, like better, like, and it's also like, like I said before, like everything's so objective. Oh, another note, it's like, don't compare yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's really important. It's very hard not to do. But comparison just really, I feel like harms the process and kind of puts you in a negative place. So I would say like for artists, be like, try for new artists, like try not to compare yourself. Like even I, I'm still struggling with that too, but that's kind of like part of my SCAD, (laughs) SCAD fashion experience is comparison and competition. So I feel like 
don't compare yourself with others. Everyone's special and unique in their own way. Everyone has their own style and collaboration is really key to just like growing yourself and making friends in the industry and yeah, just moving forward positively. That's great. You do you. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So keep on pitching, Mikey, but keep on sketching both literally yeah, and metaphorically. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next week. Isabella, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great have a, one. Have a great one. Thanks. <laughs> Talk to you. Bye. <laughs>